0: The following Dharma Talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground.
1: Ideally, you'd have a couple minutes at home after your sits just to be in that space and that's the time to reflect on what you learned, what you saw. What was challenging, how did you relate to that, those challenging moments, what did you learn, what felt good, felt pleasant in the practice, how did you relate to that, did you get greedy about the good feelings, if they came, good calm or whatever. So build that in, you know, if you have a busy day, don't just sit in and in another minute you're in the car, and the sit a little bit earlier if you have to, so that you have some time just to be reflective. Yeah, and as I've often mentioned, and I'm assuming Shelley mentioned this last week, um, we learn so much having people share. I know it can feel embarrassing. It's, you know, in a way more than sex and money. Talking about our own mind is sort of like weird or not cool. But we, it uh, really normalizes what it is to have a mind and to be turning the awareness back toward the heart and mind itself. So I encourage people to ask questions or just to share both in terms of tonight's sit, but any of the sitting practices or walking practices you had this last week. What was challenging? What did you learn? what questions are emerging. So people online, you know, you can just raise your digital hand if you have any questions. And if you don't know how to do that, you can just unmute yourself. And people in the room, just signal. We have our handheld mic so that we can uh, hopefully hear you online as well. Anybody have questions or comments about your practice that you'd like to share with the group? What have you been learning? Huh? Yeah, Nancy.
0: Hi, thank you. Um, so this week um, I did guided meditations um, uh, from the Dharma Seed, and you were the guided um, the guide for that. Um, and tonight as well, I, I noticed a, a very similar sort of struggle that I have, and that is that I'm, <clears throat> I I'm—I feel like I'm able to be more present when I'm actually listening to your voice, or, you know, it could be anybody's voice, but it is, has been yours, um, and... As soon as you say, okay, we're going to sit in silence now, I just think, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, don't go away, you know? Um, <laughs> I, I can't, I don't want to be alone with this. You know, it's too hard, it's too scary, um, my mind just goes crazy, um, is there anything that I can do about this? Uh, silent meditation is just really hard.
1: Yeah, well, first, I want to say, Nancy, thank you, and this is exactly what I mean: normalizing the mind, because it's it's so nice for a human being to to say that, yeah, I'm not sure I want to be alone with my mind. <laughs> I mean, you didn't say it exactly that way, Nancy, but but it's true. It it can feel like um, like sometimes wild, like being out with you know animals that we're not familiar with. And it's the, th- the reason the mind is a scary place is we just haven't visited very often. We're so pulled into the world, into our thoughts about things, we don't really have this exposure, you know, of being aware of the inner territory of our heart and mind. And absolutely, it's okay to use these supports. And, and by the way, these exclusive meditation objects or, in a way, one of these supports. Because it, it keeps us away from the, you know, the last few minutes, when I, I encouraged us to have that more open awareness. It can feel like a spewing waterfall, like so much. Now, hopefully by the end of the sit, there's some settling, and it wasn't maybe, hopefully not too wild, but it can be. But remember, we're not just after a pleasant experience. We're really after learning, we want to learn more and more over the years about the nature of the mind itself. We want to be able to be intimate with the mind. So when a, a storm comes in my mind and, and Mark is being defensive or Mark is being angry or Mark is, you know, whatever the emotional storm might be. Um, I want to be really familiar. Oh, yeah, that's how it is sometimes. I get angry, and it feels like this. It looks like this. So that I'm not surprised by these strong emotions or strong uh, reactions that can happen. That's where we do a lot of damage to ourselves and others, is when we're swept away because we didn't see it coming. But we can get very familiar with these places, the monsters and demons and you know, all the, all the unseen territory in our own heart and mind. But, so, the, the important thing, Nancy, is to move in that direction instead of going too fast, too much, too soon. Because what we'll do is we'll, we won't like the practice and we'll stop doing it. It will feel like you suggested too scary or too wild or just too much happening, I feel out of control, why would I do that? And that's why people tend to fill up their lives with busyness, because they don't know how to be with themselves, so to speak. So start in an easy way, use guided meditations, but always build in a little time where you don't have any crutch, any supports. So that's why I say, Even if you're just using an exclusive meditation object for the great majority of the sit, always leave at least three to five minutes at the end where you put on your meditation object. And sometimes, like I suggested tonight, I mark that change by opening my eyes at that point. Now remember, you can practice with your eyes open the whole sit, especially if you don't have a lot of clutter, you know, you have a nice plants or something in front of you that won't generate a lot of thought. Um, and especially if you tend to, towards sleepiness, keeping your eyes open can be a nice uh, thing to do when there's a lot of sleepiness going on. But to always build in at least a few minutes at the end, where we're learning how to be present, with, it, it really helps us with daily life practice. Because it's just like whatever the mind is knowing, the practice is to recognize this is being known. Now this is being known. So we really see what the mind is like when it's not being directed to come back to the breath, to be with the prayer, to be with chanting, or to be with something more physical like you're washing the dishes and you're using that as your anchor for the present moment, just to feel the water, feel the movement, hear the sounds. So, we really want to use these objects that ground us in the present moment, but we don't want to get dependent. But we have to build our confidence, and I think that's really what the response to Nancy's comment is. How do we skillfully build our confidence to take the hands off the wheel and just let it rip? Let life, let experience just do what it's going to do. Let the thoughts, let the emotions, let the sounds, let the sights, that the sensations just move, and it there is a even though it will feel initially, especially, but just generally, it will feel at times wild. But it's such a relief not to have to feel like there's somebody who has to manage or control, you know, have the world on her shoulders, you know, like I got to hold this whole thing together. So to, I mean, we learn that at night when we go to bed, we do put down that sense of being a doer for a few moments until we start dreaming. <laughs> then I, the mind picks it back up again, you know, we're back doing stuff. So to, in all the alertness and clarity that we can have in meditation practice, just to be profoundly in that receptive mode of this is being known, is a real... Uh, and the thing is, we'll notice the impulse to do in a fresh light, because we won't immediately be the doer. That's, that's one of the reasons, um, and this is a good... I wanted to make this point. One of the reasons that part of the form of formal meditation is sitting still. Now, it's a training. So, this relates to Nancy's comment too, Like Nancy, it may be challenging to do for 30 minutes without a guided meditation, but five minutes you might be able to do that. And it's the same thing with the the form of holding the body still, relaxed but still. Now, of course, there's going to be little movements, but to the degree uh, that we can, we want to move in the direction of stillness in the body. Because it really, that physical stillness is in line with that intention to be receptive, to be aware of what comes and goes. Because then we release, when when something is stable and still, then all the movements become very obvious. So when the body and the mind, when there's some stillness, then the impulse to judge, the impulse to plan, the impulse to get the heck out of here, you know, to bolt—they stand out because the system is settled. The body's still, the mind is the mind is really relatively grounded in present moment awareness. Then we really see the conditioning of the mind, and we have a profound insight that deepens over the years. All that mental conditioning, all those patterns—they're real, they're there, but they're not self. They're not personal. We, but we just presume all of those, all of that psychological, emotional conditioning, all those impulses, tendencies, right? That's me. I mean, that's kind of the convention. But in our actual subjective experience, we realize, no, it's nature. It's just the nature of that impersonal conditioning expressing itself. And it's one thing to hear me say it now, but it's a, a profoundly transforming thing to see it actually in, in terms of your own heart and mind. It really liberates us from so much um, struggle and tension because of the presumption that things are personal. Like, I mean, just a simple example, when we end up, the body-mind, whatever, this life, we end up doing something stupid or humiliating. Well, if it's not personal, it's like yeah. I mean, it's still there will be consequences. People will think I'm weird or something because I did this humiliating thing. But there doesn't have to be that inner burden of being the one who did a stupid thing. That's based on the misperception that that whatever that somebody did that was humiliating or embarrassing, that it was me or self or mine. And again, it's hard to convey how powerful it is to get to know the mind. To see the mind always, you know, the mind just thinks, that's what it does. It imagines, it plans, it solves problems, it creates monsters, it creates pleasant experience, right? I mean, isn't that what your mind is doing all the time? Imagine yourself on a nice beach or... Imagine yourself being chased by wolves, or you know, it's just like one thing after another. It just fills space, and it's and if as as long as I think it's me, I feel like I have to have an opinion about everything my mind's thinking and doing, right? And I feel like I should be in control of it. And there's so much tension, so much suffering, and owning the mind as it's just like uh, some of you are probably parents. You know, and at some point you realize they're their own things. <laughs> you know, they're not my appendage. I'm not in control. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just true on so many levels about just being a, a healthy, relaxed human being. Just realize, oh, cause we use that phrase a lot: causes and conditions. Meaning, there are innumerable things in play right now like even in in the wider world, and if we feel like we have to, you know, own it or be in charge of it, well good luck. Yeah, thanks Nancy for getting us started. How about somebody else? Looks like uh, Diane has their hand up. Do you want to unmute yourself, Diane?
0: say um what's been helpful for me is when my mind starts planning or thinking about something that happened is I don't this has just been helpful for me is that I say come back and then I can kind of and then the other part the other question that's a comment the other question I have is towards the end of 30 minutes I was um I was saying, come back less often, and then my leg went to sleep <laughs> and so then I just I, you know, so you no, know, so let let say your nose itches or whatever your, what you continue on and just ignore that. I mean, I do I couldn't ignore my my foot previously, but. You suggest
1: yeah and usually week two I do say a little bit about posture and, and it is worth worthy to spend some time learning um, and it will evolve over the years and it depends on our age and depends how much yoga or stretching we do in our lives and all injuries that we've had but um, even when we're really good you know, in terms of listening and, and feeling through how we should sit and how long we should sit, even then, there will be problems with pain, discomfort, legs falling asleep, like you mentioned, Diane. <clears throat> and these are really powerful teachers for us, like noticing the mind's attitude around physical pain or noticing the mind's attitude, even having a fly or a mosquito land on us while we're sitting, or the foot leg falling asleep. You know, generally, if the kind of numbness we're getting, you know, because of the pinched nerve usually, or the pressure on a nerve, if it goes away, you know, after a couple minutes of stretching the leg out at the end of the sit, then you don't, you know, doctors have told me, and the general rap is, you don't need to worry about limbs falling asleep that doesn't mean it's pleasant but the mind will turn anything into a drama so again you might have to build up but maybe it's okay just to let the ache let the pain let the numbness that you're feeling be what it is that's another reason to give yourself a little time at the end of the set before you have to get up and do the next thing is if the body is creaky, or numb, or fallen asleep, then you've got some time to kind of get it up to speed again. But there's something about like not moving, think about how much time you have that day for the sit, be reasonable, and again, as you build up your capacity, so don't say, I'm gonna sit for 45 minutes, when you're going to drive yourself crazy because you're going to end up not continuing with the practice. It's going to be too painful or too challenging. Build on success. I know I can do ten minutes. Okay, then do ten minutes. And and really feel good about that because you realize, oh yeah, it wasn't easy. Even during the ten minutes, there was a lot of impulse to want to move, to want to think, to want to stop, but I didn't. And we really build that capacity, that trust. Like, there's some real. I'm learning a lot about the mind staying put, alert, and relaxed. Same with the posture. So generally, like uh, for sitting, what helps is um, really think about the base. So those of you who are sitting on the floor, you know, we generally elevate the hips so that we tilt forward that the knees get, then get closer to the ground. And that creates a, a wider base of support. And for chairs, you know, a flat chair, not one that sort of sets the body back like a lazy boy kind of chair, a bit more like a kitchen chair generally. And then you might even want, especially if you're having sleepiness in your sits, you might want to support your lower back with a rolled blanket or something like that or a pillow, And over time, months of time, wean yourself so your your upper back isn't having to lean against the back of the chair. You're just getting a little support in your back, lower back. But even so, you can, some people sit on a stool where their spine, you know, it's just like that stacking of the vertebra. It's not, the spine, of course, isn't straight, but it's stacked in a way that it has this integrity and then the head sits on top of it, right? And the pelvis creates the base, the pelvis of the legs create the base. And that really, because it takes some physical effort to sit, it really provides it um, support for the alertness and the relaxation. Like if we're too comfortable doing a lying down meditation, it can really work for about 7 minutes to 12, 13 minutes, depending on the person, because you have a lot of the relaxation part, and generally, you can be alert for a little while when you're lying down. Especially if you're not in a bed, but you're like lying down on a yoga mat or a piece of carpet. you got maybe a little pillow for the back of your head. Definitely, it's worthwhile ex- uh, experimenting with the lying down meditation for shorter periods of time. Some people will put their elbow and upper arm at a right angle when they're lying down, because that doesn't take too much effort. But if you fall asleep, the arm will fall and that will generally wake you up. Okay, that's about all I could do before I start falling asleep. Because the, it's really getting interested in that balance between being bright, alert, interested, and receptive, relaxed, allowing, trusting. It's really bringing those two values, two qualities to mind. And that's what we want to get with the body. If there's too much physical discomfort when we're sitting, then find a better way to sit where there's less discomfort, or sit for a shorter period of time. But as we sit more and more, and the confidence builds, we can be with discomfort, being cold, mosquitoes, pain in the back, especially when we know the pain isn't doing damage. And you just have to you know, know your body well, like what pain is actually causing some strain that's gonna live on after the sit's over? And what is just pain? That isn't that you know, pain is like information. And sometimes that information is saying you shouldn't have your leg like this because you're damaging it. You know, and other times pain is you've just got chronic holding, chronic tension in this part of your body. And over time that outer layer of energetic holding begins to you know as as the concentration deepens we sense the grip and when we sense the grip we can release it but there are a lot of layers of it and the practice isn't actually about that it's kind of a positive side effect of the practice how many layers of holding are released But the real value of the practice is getting to know the mind and the impersonal nature of the mind. Because it really shifts our relationship to everything when we realize how all of this is nature, just the activity of nature. We can really participate in our lives and our world with so much more freedom and kindness and love when we realize it's all just nature. We have a little bit more time. Anybody in the room here have a comment or a question? Or anybody online, you can raise your hand. We've got about five minutes left. I just had a question about. Yeah, use this though so we can hear you better. They can hear you too.
0: I just had a question about imagination and like when my mind goes and i just picturing all of these things. And at one point, uh, as i was meditating earlier in the week um i kind of had like this visual of like the thinking mind and all these files and like just tick tick, tick tick all the thoughts in the files and i was able to just like set that aside and then the other part of me was like flying and floating over this beautiful mountain thing like is that the point or should imagination should i be letting that go as well
1: yeah i appreciate your comment I'm not sure if people could hear that online, but they were, uh, this person asked about imagination, and they mentioned a few examples from their SIT, um, including their file system, <laughs> but you know, in their imagination, and then also just uh, flying, like a pleasant uh, imagining of flying. And uh, one of the things we realize, um, because we're observing what the mind is doing in that receptive, Aware way, we realize that the mind can create hellish experiences, right? And it can create, construct really beautiful experiences, right? Like I mentioned, it's the mind, one of the aspects of the mind is like a production studio. And, and no, it's not the point of practice to imagine or to construct really beautiful experience, even though the mind can construct really beautiful experience. And when it does, we should notice this is a really beautiful experience or this is there's a lot of pleasure here. So we want to be aware of it, but we don't the objective is to understand the nature of the mind, not to do something with the mind, not to create something with the mind to understand the mind's nature to create like, and how that's impersonal. That's just what it does. Because in a way there's this sense of being addicted to the intensity of what the mind constructs. You know, the likes and dislikes basically. And there's an addiction to that. And so what we're doing is we're observing that and that opens this other possibility, a kind of non-dependence. And that's what really frees up our participation in life, is that we're not dependent. You know how it is, it's like uh, when we really want someone to like us, it's really hard to kind of be with them. But when we don't care whether they like us or not, it's much easier to work with them, right? We can be free. And it's a little bit like that in the general sense of life. When we're really attached, when we're really afraid, when we're really dependent, everything's a little heavy or a lot heavy. Yeah, thanks for sharing that with us. And we have time for one more. Looks like Greg, want to go ahead and unmute yourself? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, hear you well. Okay. Um,
2: I have a question about um, the sitting still. Uh, and for me, it's. Um, When I try to sit too still, it seems like I get kind of tight and and, um, kind of controlling. And when I just let myself move, I seem to actually be more curious about the movement. And my mind actually seems to be more in that open focus where I can just feel myself move and notice it and whatever comes up and then not be I, I kind of lose that sense of tightness I feel like I can just observe it and be comfortable with it and that also brings me to um, the point that I also like to practice Tai Chi and Qi Gong and I seem to be able to kind of focus better on um, kind of the present moment when I'm actually moving and that seems to help me with like every so when I'm out in the world and doing stuff, I seem to be able to attend to the present moment better by just letting that open focus, kind of like I do with my movement practice. So, I find myself having a hard time. I I can see the value in sitting and trying to still, and I still do that, but I have a harder time staying focused with that. Um, Do you have any comments about that? Is that a
1: a valid thing or?
2: should I still be working on more sitting still and trying to stay more focused?
1: Yeah, yeah. and I'll make it quick because it's 9 o'clock here yeah. in Minnesota, but it's a really good point, Greg, and it it's a nice time for me to mention that one of your handouts that's in all of the emails that you received, we have the link to all the handouts, one of them is about walking meditation. And for those of you who have a good uh, qigong or tai chi or even some of the more gentle or mindful yoga practices, or just you like to walk, or you have a dog that you walk a couple times a day, they can really lend themselves. Like uh, Greg was talking, uh, awareness of movement is like a uh, really effective meditation object, because it's a very obvious thing for the knowing mind to know, just the experience of movement, the sensations of movement. And the mind can really gather. And that's one of the reasons why exercise and these things like Tai Chi and Qigong are so popular. There's real pleasure in being, unifying the mind, gathering the mind. But remember, it's not just about that gathering. The point of that gathering, besides that it's healing and pleasurable, is that we learn a lot about the mind because of that settledness you get because you're just unified with the tai chi movements. Then, when other habits of mind arise, we really see them in their living color, and we can see that their nature and not self, so. or they're skillful or they're unskillful. We really learn about the mental activity, the nature of mental activity, and. So what I would suggest Greg is keep doing all the movement things you like and really notice how it how that present moment awareness can get some real continuity and notice the pleasure that's there with it that will all be very useful but still sit and and build your confidence that you can sit longer don't force it and see what you learn there that you're not learning in your qigong. Because the disadvantage of a, like even walking meditation, is that the mind in these movement practices, uh, because they can be so absor- absorbing, the, it's kind of the mind is too protective. So we don't really see the mind doing what the mind does. And that's what we need to see. That's why we need this lifestyle of mindfulness. Otherwise, we're kind of dependent on one guided meditation, whether it's a movement or not. But we really want to just let it rip, so to speak. Oh. And next, next uh, Tuesday when we gather, we'll spend um, most of our discussion time looking at what interrupts the continuity of awareness. And that's really in line with uh, Greg's comment, like, We really notice that when we're sitting because of mind. Like, why is that so hard for us? Just to sit and be aware. But it is one of the hardest things in the world. And if it isn't yet for you, it's either because you have really good concentration or because you're distracted the whole time and you don't realize it. (laughs) So anyway, we'll come back next Tuesday. appreciate everybody being here. Have a good week, everyone.